Hey, today we begin a new series entitled Praying with Hope. And I have been praying that you would be encouraged, inspired, energized through the story Esther today. It's, it's an amazing story. You're ready for a wild ride today. We're going to have it as we commit to praying with hope for God's people. That's what we see in Esther as much as anything. Uh, a young woman who, who's now the new queen, and she says, this is such an important time. We've got to go before our God for protection of his people. We want to do that today. I want you to know right now, I, I encourage you right now, no matter what's happened in the past, no matter how much uncertainty is in the future, no matter how much pain you're going through right now, right now is the time to pray with hope like never before. And, and we're going to see that today from God's word. Remember, our hope comes from the Lord, not merely, uh, it, it's not a hope that's just wishful thinking. But our hope is a clear confidence in the future because of who God is and what he's done for us in Jesus. Amen? That's where our hope comes from. I heard about a mom who was praying with, for hope all the time. Uh, she was uh, the mother of four young boys, and, and she prayed with hope that they'd be protected, that they'd be blessed because these boys were accident-prone. I mean, they were, they were almost always getting, getting in trouble. So she prayed with hope for their future on this one Sunday, uh, she, she and the boys got home from church, and she went in to make lunch, and the boys just started playing in the yard like they generally did, running around, climbing trees, whatever boys did. And in just a few moments, the youngest boy fell from the tree, kind of licked his wounds, went back into the house, just got to the garage and thought he would kind of call into mom uh, from where he was. So he, he called into his mom and says, Mom, would you rather me fall from a tree and break my leg or fall from the tree and put a, a rip in my new pants for church? She thought, well, this is an odd, odd question. And, and she quickly responded, well, son, I would pray that you fell from the tree and just ripped a hole in your pants and not broke your leg. Well, he yelled back after looking at his pants, your prayers have been answered. At times, the options we hear from the world around us are odd. And they can even seem hopeless, like, what, what do we even do right now? Today, we're going to dive into this story, one of my favorite stories of the Old Testament, where Queen Esther, this new queen in a kingdom that is not a godly kingdom, has an opportunity when things seem odd and hopeless to stay focused on the God in control, and things change because of what she does, because of who God is. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Esther, and we're going to unpack some principles that keep us praying with hope. One of the interesting things about the book of Esther that, that I, I'm even uh, struggled with, if I was going to tell you, because it doesn't really matter, but God is never mentioned, his name is never mentioned in the book, the entire book. And we never see Esther praying, and yet today it's our scripture for praying with hope. Because God's fingerprints are all throughout this amazing story, and we see God's people pursuing him in his power. Let's pick up the story in chapter 4. If you want to turn there, it's going to be on the screen as well. But in chapter 4, Queen Esther is hearing information from her cousin Mordecai that there is this plan to kill all of God's people. You've heard of genocide, where, where an entire race is trying to be annihilated. This was a, a time in history where the Jews had a mark on them for death. This man named Haman desired to kill all the Jews. And he devises this plan that they would be put to death. But Mordecai hears of this plan, and he begins to share it with his cousin, who just so happens to be the new queen. 
And here's what Mordecai says to Esther. Do not think that because you're in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. He's like, you're going to face death too. For even if you remain silent this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to this royal position for such a time as this. Here's what Mordecai is saying. Hey, uh, they're going to try to kill all the Jews, but God's going to make a way. But unless you speak up, you and your family are going to surely die. And here's what Esther's response is. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa. He says, go get all of God's people and fast for me. Fasting is not eating or drinking. Fasting is almost always in Scripture connected to prayer, except in this passage. And in this passage, I believe it's an assumption that as they fast, they're going to be asking God to bless their people. It says, do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. And I and my attendants will fast as you do. We're going to fast as well. When this time of fasting is done, I will go to the king, even though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. So here's what I want you to see here. Uh, there is this edict that something's going to come and kill all of God's people. There's gonna, uh, people are going to have this call to kill the Jews. And Esther is challenged, Mordecai, before I go to the king and ask for protection and this thing to change, we need to pray and fast. Mordecai is saying, Esther, this is a serious time. There's great oppression. There's great fear among God's people. And you need to do something in your royal position to make a difference. Guys, this really spoke to my heart the last two weeks as I've studied this passage. I've read the story. I've watched it on VeggieTales. I've heard all these angles about the story. But it hit me uh, this week like a, a ton of bricks that you are in just such a position to pray for God's people to be blessed and protected right now if you're a believer in Christ. We are called to pray with hope like never before for God's people. We need to seek the king's favor, not the king of earth, not a president or governor, but the king in heaven who reigns supreme. And how are we going to pray with that type of hope during these hopeless and odd times? I want to give you some principles to keep your heart pure. First, keep praying with hope knowing our God is sovereign. You're going to learn what sovereign means in just a moment if you don't know. But, but there's a time and a place that, that no matter what we face, we can pray to God because he is sovereign. Look what the text says. Mordecai says, for, you, for if you remain silent this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. Here's what Mordecai is saying. He trusted that God was in control. He trusted that, that God promised the, the, uh, the Israelites or the Jews, uh, his people, that they would be blessed, there would, there would be multiplication in them, that the Messiah would come through their, their ancestors, through their family. And he says, what God has said is true is going to happen. So even if they try to kill all the Jews, some of you may die, but the, God is going to provide a way because he is in control. That's what sovereign means. What does sovereign mean? It means this. That God is the creator of heaven and earth, and he has absolute right and full authority to complete his will in all things. So who's in control? It's God. He was in control uh, during the days of uh, Mordecai uh, and Esther, and he's in control now. And we need to seek his face. We need to trust that he is sovereign. Mordecai is saying, hey, God's got this. But Esther, I think, 
Mordecai was a godly man. I think you've been placed in just such a position to make a big move for God on behalf of his people, and God wants to use you. And Esther's like, okay, I want you to fast on my behalf. I want you to seek God's power. Here's what I want you to know. Even though I don't know any of your name is Esther, each one of you, if you've been saved by God's grace through Jesus Christ, you have been placed in just this right position to hear this today, to pray for God's people to be protected and blessed. And I believe today it starts with our, 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 our schools as they go back to school, teachers and administrators and our students and families and your coworkers. Anybody that comes to heart, you have the ability to pray, just like Esther, and, and pursue God's favor for them and protection. God is and will always be in control. He's sovereign. And here's what you can take to the bank. Just when the world seems to be out of control like there is no hope, that's when God makes most clear that he is the man. And let's go to him. But how does this all happen? What, what's, what's some evidence that God is sovereign in this story of Esther? Man, it's amazing. You ready for a wild ride? I'm going to give you some background to the story of Esther. How does she become queen anyway? She's a Jew. Well, there just so happened to be one day, uh, the, the queen of the day was named Queen Vasti. And Queen Vasti got a little full of herself, and she rebelled against the king. She did whatever she wanted. And the king finally said, one day, you're out. And it just so happened to make way for the room for a new queen. And Queen Esther just so happened to be the most beautiful girl in the entire land. And by her beauty, by her presence, by her heart, she captured the heart in favor of the king. And he took her as his queen. Esther's cousin just so happens to be a man named Mordecai, who is a great godly man, who just so happened to hear a plot to kill the king by someone else of some authority in the region. And, and Mordecai, at the perfect time, tells Esther of the plot, and Esther tells the king at the perfect time of this plot, and it saves the king's life. And the king is very happy for Mordecai's information. But get this, it just so happens that Mordecai is not honored at this point. But what he did is written down in a book, a journal, uh, of what's going on in the kingdom. But he's not honored. All during the same time, this evil man named Haman, who is a selfish politician of the day, who has uh, great authority, he's really second command under the king, he develops a plan to kill all the Jews. In fact, he dislikes the Jews so much that he wants to, to make an example out of Mordecai, this great Jewish leader, and have Mordecai bow down to Haman. But Mordecai says no. So then Haman says, I'm going to kill you even before this. So he decides to go to the king on this day and say, hey, I've got a plan to kill Mordecai. He hasn't honored me as second command. He needs to die. In fact, I have built gallows to hang Mordecai. You have to hate someone to build gallows just for a guy, okay? So Haman has this plan to kill Esther's cousin Mordecai. But just as he has these gallows finished and he's about ready to go and go before the king and say, Mordecai needs to die, the king on that night can't sleep. You ever had a night you can't sleep? Lately, it's like every other night. I don't know what's going on. God kind of is rustling with me or something, and, and we need to listen. But on this night... The king couldn't sleep, so he says, you know what I do when I can't sleep? I read a boring book. So he tells one of his servants, you can't make this stuff up, go select a book from my library, come and read it to me, and I will fall asleep then because these books are boring. 
So the, the servant goes and gets a book off the shelf and opens it up, just so happens to be the section of the history where Mordecai saves the king's life. And it's, it's, it's written down in the book that uh, there was a plot against the king, and, and Mordecai tells Esther, and Esther tells the king, and his life is saved. And so at the end of the story, he's still awake because he realizes that they never honored Mordecai. And the king says... Did we ever honor Mordecai? And the servant says, no, we've not done that yet. And the king says, you know what we're doing first thing in the morning? We're honoring Mordecai, this guy that saved my life that we've never honored. Strangely enough, as the king is waking up and preparing to honor Mordecai, guess who walks in the room? Haman. And Haman comes in the room, and you know what the king says to him? Hey, man. Hey, Daryl's here. It rubbed off, okay? Haman, what do you do with a guy who has greatly uh, done something great? And how, how do we honor someone who, who has served the king well? Haman thinks he's talking about him. So he develops this elaborate plan as well. If you're wanting to honor someone great, and he kind of gets all puffed up. And he says, I think you should put one of your royal robes on him and, and parade him through the whole uh, area. And have everyone praise his name as, he, as you make a parade just for this man who you want to honor. And the king says, that's a great idea, Mordecai, or Haman. Why don't you go get Mordecai, who saved my life? We need to honor him. And so then Haman's like, okay. He takes this royal robe, and he puts it on Mordecai and parades him around the whole area, exactly what Haman did not want to do. But Haman still thought that he had the upper hand because he had been invited to the king's banquet that night. Queen Esther had made a surprise banquet just for two other people, the king and Haman, Haman's like, man, they must be really going to do something great for me because I'm such a good man. But remember what Mordecai told Esther, that there's a plot to kill all the Jews. And she's, she's been saying, okay, I'm going to go to the king, and at just the right time, I'm going to ask him. Wow. So on this banquet, the king says, okay, honey, what did you want to ask me? And Esther says, there is an edict, a law that has been made that all the Jews must die. And honey, I am a Jew, so your law that you put into play is going to kill all my family, and I too will have to die. And if this wasn't such a big deal, I would have just followed your lead. But honey, this can't stand. You have made a law that is going to uh, annihilate my entire family, my people. And the king is very uncomfortable with this. He had trusted too much uh, to the people around him. He says, who would have ever led me to make a law that would kill all the Jews? I don't want to do that. And she says, this guy right here, Haman. And the king becomes furious. And he runs out of the room, probably trying to verify if this law was real. Who, who did this? And he's, as he leaves the room, uh, Queen Esther, the Bible says, is reclining on a couch because she knows God is at work. Amen? She's relaxing. The Bible says reclining on a couch. And Haman comes to her and says, you've got to make this right. You've set me up here. And she's like, no, you did all this on your own. The Bible doesn't say that. I'm paraphrasing. She's just relying on the couch. But the Bible says she be he becomes very agitated and, and kind of gets on top of her, arguing and, and kind of wrestling with her a little bit. At just the right time, you can't make this up, the king comes back in uh, from the palace and sees Haman all up in his wife's business, if you know what I mean. And Haman says, that's it. The Bible says it looked to him as if she was being molested. And he says, you're the one getting hung today on the gallows you built for Mordecai. And I tell you all that that happened in a day to show you God's sovereignty in a situation that seemed like a train wreck, but God turned it around for his favor in the 
favor of his people. Amen? God can do that type of flip on, on behalf of his people. But you know what had happened? Right before God started working in all that power, his people fasted for three days and prayed. Guys, just as a time as this, we're called to pray with hope for God's people. I wonder uh, who here is willing to really go before God with the conviction of Esther and Mordecai and say, we need your help, God, because our world is a mess. There is things opposing us. There's things confusing us. But we know you're in control because you are sovereign. But that was all empowered because I believe the second thing. We need to keep praying with hope, seeking God's face. All that I just told you was set up because Esther did this. Esther, when, he, when she heard from Mordecai, here's what she didn't do. Well, I can fix this. They're going to kill all the Jews. Uh, the king made a law. I'll, I'll set this straight. She did not just go run into the king's uh, 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 place of business and say, King, I'm going to tell you how, how it's going to go. She would have been out like the last queen. What she did is she says, we need to seek God's power. We need to seek God's prayer. She did not run ahead of God, but she allowed God to lead in this situation. The first thing we see Esther do is she didn't try to fix it on her own. But how many of you are like me when you hear something wrong in your family, at your workplace, at church, instead of slowing down to pray and maybe even fasting, you run ahead and say, well, I can fix this. My wife would say that's one of Tyson's biggest weaknesses, and I will admit that. I like to run ahead and try to make things right. But you know, the best thing we can do sometimes is slow down and say, God, we need your help and we need your power. And that's what we're in. we need to do this week. We need, we need to slow down and say, God, we need your strength. Esther knew it was impossible to do God's work without God's power. How many times have you tried to, though, do God's work without his power? You know what happens? We struggle. We even fail. Early this spring, when we were coming off of quarantine, there was a lot of questions. When were we going to be able to start regathering, whether outside or inside? And I began to talk to some of the officials in our state government, and I was told plainly, Tyson, you will not be able to gather in any form of normalcy until there's a vaccine. Boy, I wanted to fix that that day. In fact, I said uh, that same day I heard that you cannot gather until there's a vaccine. I said, uh, there won't be a vaccine for over a year. And they said, that's right. And I said, that will not happen. We will gather to worship our king at Greenville First Christian Church before there's a vaccine. Yeah. And then I called the elders and says, what are we going to do? <laughs> and then you know what? We did the right thing. I lost a little bit of my cockiness, and you know what we did? We fasted. The elders and I fasted for a guidance on when we could begin to regather. And then you know what? That just so happened, somebody said the governor couldn't really do what he said he was going to do to the churches, and our confidence grew even more, and we began to meet that next week outside. And I believe after that fasting and a movement by God, uh, three of the most amazing services I've ever participated in happened at this property outside. Amen? Let's praise God for that. But you know what we didn't do? We didn't just run ahead. But we waited for God to move. And is he still moving? Yes. Is it easy? No. But whether we gather here in the building or outside or online or on the radio, I believe more can happen in one week with God's power than a lifetime doing it on our own. Do we trust God that he's sovereign? Do, do we seek his face? Today, I'm going to challenge you again to seek his face, not just with the elders fasting, but all of you. And you're going to learn more about that in a minute. 
But who is ready to, to live with God's power by knowing he's sovereign and seeking his face? Who, who, is, who is in with me on that? I hope you are. <laughs> Don't answer too early, though, because there's one other thing I see Esther doing, and it's the hardest part. When we know he's in control, when we say we need your power, here's the next thing that we see Esther doing. She says, I'm going to surrender all of myself to make this happen. I'm going to surrender all this of myself to show that, that I'm committed to God. Here's the last part of praying with hope. Keep praying with hope, surrendering completely to God. Once we know he's sovereign, once we seek his face, we have to at some point say, I'm all in no matter what. Here, here's what scripture says she did. When this is done, she's talking about the fasting. She says, I will go to the king even though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. What she is saying here, because I believe God is in control, because we have slowed down and let him lead, he's working all this out, there's going to be a point where we've got to take a step of faith and says, even if it's against the law, we're going to move forward on behalf of God for his glory. There comes a point where we're willing to surrender uh, uh, what, what is comfortable for the sake of the king, the king in heaven. Now, I'm not proposing that we become rebellious against the law just for rebellious sake. But I'm proposing uh, that we need to surrender to the king in heaven even more than the authorities here on earth. And there will be a time when local authorities will say, you can't do this, you can't do that. And if it hinders our ability to worship and honor the king, guess who wins? It is our relationship to the king in heaven. Even if I perish, then I perish. That's where hope comes from. Some of you are like, hey, I was all in until this last point. I'm all for God being in control. I am all for seeking his face. But if I have to surrender where it may cost me something, you're on your own. But here's the, here's the reality. God can do more with one person like Esther, three or four people committed to, to seeking God's face and surrendering than he can do with a thousand people who are doing church halfway, following Christ halfway. Where are you at in your relationship and your surrender? Each of us here, I believe, much like Esther, have been put on this earth, in Bond County, maybe in this room, whether you're watching online, wherever you're at, you have been put in a relationship with God for just this time of this to pray for people on, on, on God's behalf for his glory. You might say, well, Tyson, I get that, but surrendering to, to everything, that's, that's for a mature Christian. That's for a Christian who's been a Christian a long time. Uh, wrong. Do you know who's called to Surrender. Anyone who gives their life to Jesus immediately. Jesus said this, this is his words, whoever wants to follow me or be my disciple must deny themselves. That's a lot like surrender. It is surrender. And take up their cross and follow me. If you have given your life to Christ, he has said it's an automatic, it's an understood that you're going to surrender all. Your your possessions, your pride, your your, your financial uh, security, you're going to be willing to lay it all down. And it's worth it. And we're going to see that in just a minute, but hold on here. When you surrender to him, he says, I will save you. But if you don't surrender, he says, you're on your own. I, I want you to know this. I would rather be surrendered and, 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 and encompassed by God's power than on my own any day. Amen? I don't care if it's COVID, cancer, or, or something that we can't even imagine now. I would rather be surrendered to the king than living on my own. Because the king is good. The king not only wants to save you, he wants to show his favor to you. We're going to look at this real quickly here, and you're going to think, well, this is a different type of teaching. I'm just teaching what the Bible says. 
It's not a health and wealth gospel. It is the fact that God loves his children and he can show his favor to them in a moment's notice. Look what it says back in the text. Haman just got hung, okay? Remember that? The guy who thought he was all that? The king just hung him. And this is what it says. That same day, the very same day that he was hung, King Xerxes gave Queen Esther the estate of Haman, the enemy of the Jews. The very same day, I believe just hours later, he goes, okay, all the, all the blessings, all the accumulation, all the possessions of Haman, it is yours, Esther, to give to your people. God has the ability to show great financial favor in a moment's notice. At the point you thought you were going to be dead, at the point you thought you were going to be bankrupt, God can flip it and bless you beyond what you can imagine. But you got to be seeking. you got to be praying with hope. Does that mean every Christian's going to be loaded and have a Cadillac in the garage or a new um, hybrid car? You know, absolutely not. But it means that he can take care of you financially just like that. Here's what Proverbs says. The inheritance of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. Have you ever felt like the wicked just seem to prosper? The wicked's wealth just seems to multiply? There have been times when I've caught up in that. How is that person uh, being so rebellious and dis, uh, disobedient to God, yet they just, their, their, their wealth just multiplies? It says the inheritance of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. There will be a day where God flips everything of this world, and he is going to pour on so much blessing to his children that we won't even be able to fathom what we've received. It's happened to Tiffany and I a few times in her life. At the moment when we kind of think we're down and out financially, uh, probably like uh, uh, the, at the point where we're still uh, just kind of getting our feet underground financially, and we've chosen to have our third boy in like four or five years, and we're like, whoa, this is tough. It's like beans and rice and rice and beans and beans and rice again. And then something happens at that moment where you're like, what are we going to do? Sometimes it will be just a, a, a weekend job that her and I were able to help somebody with and, and earn a little extra money. Sometimes it would be just a gift that come from somebody we may not even know. And then sometimes, a few times, there's just been some miraculous, unexpected twist of finances that we didn't expect. But I have seen God bless my family and other families at the moment when it didn't seem possible. I wonder if you've ever prayed for a financial blessing. And we don't follow Christ to be blessed financially, but in this passage, we can see in a moment's notice, God can bless his people. Here's another one. If you thought that was a, a wild one, be ready for this in this season. Keep praying with hope for God to grant political favor. That's right. God can grant political favor in a heartbeat. I'm not talking about politics necessarily because politics are all have been uh, messed up with red and blue, uh, uh, liberal and conservative, Republican or Democrat. But what we see in this text is God giving political favor, I mean authority, to the right people at just the right time for his will. Look what it says. Chapter 8, verse 2. The king took off his signet ring, which showed his political authority which he reclaimed from Haman. Haman had it, and then he took it back when Haman was hung, and he presented it to Mordecai. This is amazing. Haman was number two in command. He had, he had the, the number two authority in the entire kingdom. He had the political clout, and then in the moment he's hung, uh, the king says, I'm going to give all authority that I had given to Haman to you, Mordecai, because I trust you. This guy that was headed for death, Mordecai, in the next moment, he is granted political authority like never before. What an amazing testimony. 
You may be thinking at, the, at one moment, oh, no, we're doomed because of what I see happening in politics. And it is not about a, a Republican or Democrat. That is not the statement. God could give uh, authority to a leader on earth in a moment's notice to complete his will, and it doesn't make any sense to us. It can happen. It does happen. And just the moment when we think we're, everything is lost, God can say, I'm in control. Think about this. It may seem like your bad boss who's just trying to please himself has the final say on everything. It may seem like the power-hungry politician that you hear all the time on TV and you can fill in the blank. You may think they've got the final say. It may seem like those around you with the right name, the right amount of money, and the correct position have the final say. But those people don't have a thing unless God allows them to have that position. And that means God's, God's can give authority at just the right time to anything. It also means keep praying with hope for God to grant legal favor. Look at the text. It says, King Xerxes replied to Queen Esther and to Mordecai the Jew, Because Haman attacked the Jews, I have given his estate to Esther. That's the financial. And I have hanged him on the gallows. He wanted to destroy the Jews. Now write another decree in the king's name and be, on behalf of the Jews as seems best to you. And seal with the king's signet ring. Here's what was going on. The king made this executive order that became law to kill all the Jews. He says, I'm going to reverse this. In just one moment, he says, I want you to write a law, an executive order, that does the very best you can imagine for the, on behalf of the Jews. And like, unlike that, the legal authority was flipped. You can study the story for yourself. But, but God is saying, continue to pray for legal favor. What this may mean to us uh, legitimately. As Christians, as a church, there may be a day where there's a law that comes from uh, authorities of politics. And, it, and we may uh, be in a position where we're, we're uh, living within that and, and we, we come up against it. And at just the last moment, uh, someone may say that that law needs to be overturned. And we can be protected like that because God has that type of ability to show favor legally. Here's probably the biggest one, though. For us today, for, for each of us as a nation and as people, keep praying with hope for God to grant emotional favor. Just want to make it real simple here. When this first edict went out from the king that really came from Haman, the Jews were overwhelmed. The Bible says they were sad, they were mourning, they were in fear because there was a rumor spreading that there was something that was going to come against them that would kill all of them. Uh, there, was, there was talk, well, well, if this happens, we're all going to die. Does that sound familiar? That there's talk that, that if this happens, if this comes through, we're all going to die. We're, none of us are safe. Uh, and fear went through the entire Jewish people, uh, and they were overwhelmed. But then in a moment, here's what happened. When, when, the, when the edict changed, here's how their emotion changed. In every province, in every city to which the edict of king came, there was joy and gladness among the Jews with feasting and celebrating. Guys, I don't care what happens uh, to COVID or, or something 10 times worse than that. If we are uh, in the family of God and we're blessed by him, we're under his care, no matter even if you die, we can celebrate because he's the king of kings and lord of lords. And we don't have to be in fear. We don't have to be overwhelmed with sorrow. Here's what Psalms 30 says. Sorrow lasts for the night, but joy comes in the morning. If you're overwhelmed by fear right now, know you, the king is on our side, who is sovereign who controls everything. Does that mean we disregard science? Absolutely not. In, in fact, I want to pause right here for a second. 
we need to keep social distancing. We, we need to keep uh, refraining from high fives, handshakes, and hugs. I, I like to give the occasional high five. I, I like a good hug. Handshakes are, are natural at church, but please refrain from that because we need to keep this place a place that's safe and, and protected primarily by God's power, but also by what's smart. Because I want to keep meeting with you here, amen? amen? If you're online right now, we miss you, and we want this place to be as safe as it can for you to come here when you need to be here. So do each other a favor and be respectful, not only to one another, but respectful to what God has told us about a thing like a virus and that he's bigger than this. And he will give us favor and he can let us celebrate no matter what happens. Guys, when we live in a healthy way like this, something else is gonna happen. Here's the, here's the, the one that has the most upside. Keep praying with hope for God to grant spiritual favor. It's one sentence here that I've overlooked a lot. And I, I've never really had this highlighted to me. But it simply says this. After all this took place, here's the beautiful thing that happens. And many people of other nationalities became Jews. Think about that for just a second. The Jews were destined to be dead the day before. And then God flips everything and sees, uh, the people see how God's given them emotional success, financial success. He, he's shown them all, all this blessing. And other people are like, I want to be a Jew. I want to be a part of God's family. Guys, I want this family of God. I want us as Christians to live such righteous lives, such holy lives, such lives of hope that other people say, I want to be a part of God's family. Because God is king and, and, and we're his children. They saw God's family growing, and God's family uh, exploded in this, in, this, in this text. Who are you praying for to be brought into God's family? Here's the transition for today. Here's, here's where we end. God, uh, when he's sovereign, when we seek his face, when we surrender him, good things are going to happen, and people will be attracted to that. Who are you praying for that, to be attracted to the kingdom of God? Paul says this in 1 Timothy chapter 2 to Timothy. He says, I urge you. First of all, to pray for all people, to pray for God's people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf. We're going to do that in just a minute. Give thanks for them. Uh, pray that for the kings. We need to pray for our president, for our governor, for our mayor, for our health board. We need to pray for them as authority to live peaceful and quiet lives, marked in, in godliness and in dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth. Guys, I urge you to pray. Uh, pray with hope for our schools this week, for, for um, the Chambers family, for the person you know is sick. Uh, pray for that person that doesn't know Jesus because God is faithful and he will show his favor to them because that's his will, that all be saved. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness. As we sing, as we prepare, if you want to join this church family, if you're like, I, I want to be a part of this church because I see the hope they have, Man, you're welcome. But more importantly than that, if you've never surrendered, man, today's the day to surrender and say, even if I die, I live because of what Christ has done for me. Amen? He's faithful. Let's sing.